Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back. Vancouver Life Real Estate Podcast and YouTube channel, Dan and Ryan here. Today, we are going to outline what to expect with home prices for the remainder of 2021. And similar to the last 18 months, the trajectory is up. There is just so much data that points to prices continuing to be squeezed upwards. Um, Let's take a bit of a national look first here and talk about home sales. This is the volume of homes that have sold. So home sales are down about 28% from the March peak. Uh, But if you kind of pull back and look at maybe the last 10 years or so, outside of Q1 2021, which was understandably the most absurd sales period in recorded history, um, sales are still at an all-time high. So just take out the the insanity of Q1. If you look at a 10-year metric, sales are at all-time highs. So while this it's important data relying or relaying excuse me on just that March peak as we see sometimes out there um, as your anchor for a reference it's a, a bit misleading and obviously not the whole picture right that'd be just like us saying well uh, the March 2020 dip when everything was locked down uh, that's where sales were a third lower than they are today like are we 300 times up where we were no <laughs> so just make sure you're getting the full picture when uh, when you're kind of doing your research about where sales and prices really are in Canada and of course here in Metro Vancouver. Now, interestingly though, that uh, decline was largely concentrated out east, uh, of course in Ontario predominantly, because in British Columbia and Alberta, we actually saw a sales increase last month of 2.6%. That's volumes again, right? Um, But again, the big, big picture is what Ryan's going to talk about next. (laughs) Yeah, and we've been kind of talking about it for some time right? Uh, The extreme lack of inventory, not just here, but across the nation, um, it's it's actually staggering. Um, The total active listings was down 4.2% last month, driving inventory to a fresh 20-year low. Um, Remember, actually, last month, we talked about how, I think it was back in 2015, Dan, or 2016? 2016, five yeah, years ago. Where we saw um, nationally across Canada, 250,000 active listings, right? And then you fast forward to where we were about a month ago, and that was down to 110,000. We're now down to 104,000. Um to, to kind of bring you back into the province uh, in BC, the inventory levels are down 37.3% year over year. That is a f- staggering number. It's no wonder prices are up by 20 as well, right? When you, when you look at that. But that's second only to Ontario, which is actually number one in the country at 39.2%. Um, so what does that actually mean? right? Because it's important to understand what that data means. Um, That puts us at about 2.2 months of inventory that's available on the the market. So Dan, what does that mean in terms of prices going up or prices going down? Because there's a bit of a metric to follow there. Exactly. So months of inventory is an important one. It's very similar to the sales to active listings ratio. 
The market needs to have about five months of sustained inventory available for prices to start to decline. That means the amount of homes available divided by the amount of sales per month. So we need about five months. Today, as Ryan mentioned, we're sitting at 2.2 months of inventory. So, you know, unless we get 130% more listings tomorrow um, or a 60% drop in sales volumes, we are not going to see prices even come close to a balanced market. And, you know, these are obviously massive numbers that just, you know, you're not going to hit them in any time of, in any kind of quick time frame. You know, it's funny too, because, um, well, obviously we monitor the market every week and we talk about it every week, but I would say that this week in particular, which it's interesting because I don't know what happened, but we've had some listings that have been a little stagnant, you know, especially in the condo market kind of thing. And it's exploding all of a sudden well, these listings that have been on the market now for 30, 40 days that weren't really either they were priced pegged a little higher or for whatever reason, didn't meet the typical buying criteria for, for people. They're now getting tons of showings and tons of interest, right? Um, to the point where um, I'm starting to feel like um, this trickle down effect is starting to happen now where we had, you know, when you look at historical markets, People go after uh, what they can afford the most of to buy the most property with the least amount of dollars. Um, single family has now gotten so expensive. People are now trickling down into townhomes, duplexes. And now I think we're starting to see it into condos. And um, it's just, it's all over the place. I, I wish that there was a, a, a bit more detail to break that down, but it's, it's across all property types. And, well, and I think too, Ryan, further to your point, I think a lot of people have been waiting for something quote unquote better to hit the market. Mm. And, you know, three, four, five, six months goes along and they're not seeing what their vision of better is. So they're having to reevaluate the plans and reevaluate, you know, what is actually in the market and is it more viable? Because uh, we definitely see some people saying, look, yes, I want that dream, but if I've been waiting six months for that dream home and just nothing even close is coming, but I want to be in this market that's on this like runaway freight train kind of feeling, then I think they're kind of doubling back and looking at properties that didn't make the first cut, but maybe they make round two or three. Well, and that's interesting too, because people often try, you know, I, I literally just got off a Zoom call with somebody who's coming to the province from another province. And they're like, well, look, maybe we'll rent first. We'll kind of wait for the market to settle down a little bit. And I'm going, Ugh. if we had more inventory or there was more inventory that we knew about that was coming online, I would tend to agree. But the fact that we don't, the fact that we also know that money is going to stay cheap until Q2, at least Q2 of 2022, I, I think you're going to see more of the same story. I mean, you know, like we said, in March, we had the foot to the floor on the highway. We were doing 200 kilometers an hour, right? Then through the summer, it backed off. You know, we came all the way down to probably 150 kilometers an hour. It's starting to feel like people are putting their foot back on the gas again. Absolutely. I think too, like let's extrapolate even further and, and demonstrate how extreme this housing shortage really is. Um, there are today 300,000 dwellings under construction across Canada. This is by far the most it has ever been. So sounds great, right? Homes, new homes to the rescue. Well, think of it like this. You have to remove the 97,000-ish that are purpose-built rentals, okay? Those are never coming to the market for end users. So that leaves around 200,000 homes, um, condos, and single families combined in the construction pipeline. Um, 
let's create a scenario where all 200,000 of these complete next month, right? Obviously a hypothetical because some of these are condo towers that are probably five years out. But pretend 200,000 new homes hit the market next month. Um, with uh, Couple that with like an educated guess of maybe 50% of those are going to be bought by people that have to sell first, right? They're, half are going to come from rental units, half are going to come from a different home. So mm. that puts about um, you know, 200,000 completions and 100,000 resale homes. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, right? And we are talking nationally. That would double the inventory that we're at today. Double. Right. Right. So if all 100K uh, hit the market next month, inventory would still be down 20% from where it was five years ago. It's, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, months of inventory would rise to four. Still not even enough. We're, still in a, we're not even in a balanced market. We're still in a seller's market if 100,000 homes hit the market tomorrow. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah. Now let's let's go even further. Let's say all two hundred thousand hit the market, and you know, no, nobody's coming or nobody um, is moving laterally. So it's all fresh uh, inventory here. Months of inventory total would hit six point three, which sounds okay. Great. That's way better, right? We only need uh, what five for prices to potentially decline. Mm-hmm. Well. 6.3 months of inventory was the national average between 2010 and 2015. Do we remember what happened then? The <laughs> market went up. It didn't exactly collapse then, right? In fact, GVRD rose 14% during that time frame. And then it accelerated like crazy right after. That's it. So, I mean, the point we're really trying to drive home here is that we are so far away from an even balanced market that even the record amount of homes under construction are not even going to move the needle in any significant manner. Prices based on that alone are going to continue upwards. It's simple math. There's there's not much else to really extrapolate there. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about um, boots on the ground kind of stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, we can speak to that, right? Um, we sold uh, 10 homes in September and um, <laughs> seven of them. were fought in multiple offers. And I mean, fought like we just did one a couple days ago. It was a nine way multiple offer, right? The home sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars over the list price. I feel like list prices have kind of just gone out the window a couple months ago. Like what, what, I mean, we're looking at, um, you know, duplexes in East Vancouver as well. You know, they're listed in and around the one seven, sort of range and they're selling in the one nines to even higher. It's, it's bonkers. Right. Yeah. And then and you, those, got, you got GST on top of that too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Those 10 homes too. I mean, we were on both sides, right? Some of those were sales, some were purchases and we're talking everything from downtown condos to detached in Port Moody and almost everything in between. So a real range of, uh, of property types and neighborhoods. And like I said, our experience last month, 70% of the homes we bought or sold were in multiple offers. I mean, yeah. we sold a two bedroom condo in Renfrew area that got eight offers. <laughs> a condo. I mean, it's it's happening all over the place. So you understand when there's no inventory, people are fighting for the little bit that is left. And the good ones, and especially the detached homes, it's Gone. vicious, vicious Gone. out there. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at, um, wow, non-permanent residents, so mostly students, we're up 200% since July 2020. That's the highest number in recorded history right? Those are renters. Mm -hmm. They're going to push rental values. They're going to push the rental market. 40,000 
students primarily came into the province, or sorry, into the country just last month alone. The highest on record. Holy cow. Of course it's going to have an impact, Ryan. What do you figure? I mean, rental rates are already up 10% over the last two months alone. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think you're just going to see more of the same. You're going to see more of it. I don't, I, I don't know. None of these metrics are going the other way. None of them. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's so, right. And there's more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, are you going to say something or should we get well, into mortgages? Well, just, just mostly that mortgages, yeah. No, you, you, you take on that mortgage piece because this is crazy. Okay, sure. Um, new mortgage growth rate uh, hit a 13-year high last month, uh, the highest since 2008. But the net increase in mortgages in Q2 of 2021 <laughs> was the highest on record by a factor of two. It was twice as high as it has ever been ever. So what is it before? So what was it before? The What's previous the record was in and around, I believe, $32 billion for the quarter. And so you're saying 60 plus billion? $60 billion in new mortgages in Q2 2021. What about the $3 billion that the liberals are going to commit to building <laughs> $1.4 billion? <laughs> this is going to be a joke for the next four years. <laughs> well, I just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at the data. Like the data, this is why when when we heard this stuff, we had to talk about it because it was just so ridiculous. But anyways, um, so Dan, sixty billion sounds like a lot of debt, right? People must be getting into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like it, right? And of course, the headlines are all about oh, Canadians are the most indebted they've ever been. Well, let's expand on that. Um, inflation, as you have likely heard, hit 4.1% just last month. Uh, the average discounted mortgage, on the other hand, sits at 1.6%. This means that you are borrowing money at the rate of negative 2.5%. Banks are losing money by lending right now. They're paying you to take out a mortgage. Of course, people are going to take advantage of that. They're not silly, right? If you're like, hey, there's free money, in essence... Uh, do you want some? I mean, this is why <laughs> Q2 was the highest ever on recorded history by double. Okay, it's it's it makes sense. Now, again, is this being done responsibly? Well, you have to think. Things like stress tests are in place. Canadians are wealthier than they've ever been. We've touched on that on many podcasts in the last six to 12 months. So we're in an environment where assets are being inflated. So yes, while household debt hit an all-time high, which is generally where the, where the headlines stop for most media companies. Think about this. For every $1 of debt, Canadians also have $6.50 in assets. Whoa. Okay? That's the highest in 20 years. Why is anyone talking about that? You can't have one number without relaying the other. You can't. Because it's only half the, the picture. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day... If you're if you're investing or buying a home around uh, you know national headlines and things like that, um, it, it's not uh, a recipe for success. In fact, you know as we know, CMHC last year prices are going to go down by eighteen percent. Well, I'm going to hold on to that. They went up by twenty. You know that's a spread of thirty eight percent that you missed on, right? So be very careful when you're when you're listening to um, to those headlines. They're they're, it, they're there's a story that's trying to be sent to you as opposed to looking at the whole picture, right? Very um, true. And it's very important to notice too, the rate of debt is far underpacing 
the the rate of asset wow. wealth. Okay, like the change. Check it. Think of it like this: the change in net wealth for the average Canadian grew by a staggering nineteen percent in the last twelve months. The oh, average Canadian's yeah. wealth. I have to say that twice. The yeah. average Canadian's wealth grew by nineteen percent in the last twelve months. And for reference, if you look at the last thirty years, the average sits around six percent per year. So we are more than three times the rate of wealth growth in the last year for the average Canadian. Canadians are feeling rich. They're feeling rich and they are, are they're being told that they can get money for free and they are buying homes with that money because they're told asset prices will increase. It is just this cycle that we're seeing happen. And this is why if you're trying to buy up all the assets, there are very few left. So on top of this, I mean, credit card delinquencies hit all-time lows as well. So insolvencies are around half of what they were even just two years ago. So feeding this you know, story that Canadians are the most indebted, it's not the whole story, right? They're, they're not telling you the other half of the story, right? Um, Their debt is making the money. That's the reality it's, here. Yeah, it's, well, the debt they're paying you to take on the debt. It's free, right? There's good debt and bad debt, right? Debt attached to an, an inflationary asset, that's good debt, right? Mm -hmm. And when they're like, hey, here's some free good debt, smart money will go and take that debt and go and make money on it. That's exactly what we're seeing. That's right. Uh, there's, a, there's a company in Ontario, uh, the Hoys Mikolos uh, is the name of the company. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm. Um, they have a, a homeowner, excuse me, homeowner bankruptcy index, which measures the share of insolvencies filed by homeowners at their Ontario practice. Um, gosh, between, let's say, 2007, 2015, that number was between 20 and 35%. Okay, wow. that's wow. a big number. Now, that's not... Nationally, that's just for the people that were filing bankruptcy with them, right? right? Their homeowner uh, insolvencies were about that high, 20 to 35%. Last month, that hit an all-time low for this company of 1.7%. People are paying their bills, they're paying off their credit cards, and these are the things that lead towards delinquencies, right? Obviously, the credit cards are the first thing you're not going to pay off. So the fact that that's at a record low, think about how far away not paying a mortgage is down that road. Miles. So everyone and, can afford their mortgage right now. And this also, this is only when you also take into account there's 76% of Canadians own their home and about 40% of them have mortgages. So mm -hmm. there's a large portion of homeowners out here where this would never even apply to. This is only applying to those who have a mortgage. That's right. Right? So, again, it's, it's, it's just a piece of the story. <laughs> well, and, and think about the equity, too. Like you said, when you have uh, such a large majority of people that are homeowners outright, you calculate that into the people with mortgages, and the average Canadian has 72% equity in their home today, and that's including HELOCs. Okay. Wow. HELOCs are wow. built into that 72%. It's 76% without HELOCs. Wow. That means Canadians have their own banks. Their homes <laughs> are their own banks. Mm -hmm. It's their own source of leverage, right? So they find, and then, you know, it's kind of no wonder that these rates are so low when homeowners, you know, I would say almost half of all homeowners don't have a mortgage. They can go and get one. They've got 76 plus percent equity in their home. 
you know, it's it's not stopping them from going and buying an investment condo when you're looking at the fact that 200,000 more students just came here. That's it. Do you know how much home prices could technically drop before anyone even kind of remotely panics as a homeowner? Do you know what I mean? Like a 50% home drop. Well, I still have 22% equity. I don't yeah. have to sell. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. panic at a 50% price reduction today, right? People aren't going to panic sell when they have a great home that they love and that they're in and that they're still well above water in. I would venture to say a lot of, a lot of specifically Vancouver is like that. You know, if, if people don't get, you know, the market value of their home or what they think their home is worth, they just don't sell it. They'll just mm -hmm. sit on it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because in a few years, that number will materialize. It's, it's done that historically. And when you look at the fact, you look at the conditions economically of what they're, what they're faced with. And it's no, it's no wonder there's seller euphoria in the market. They have every reason to be euphoric. So with all this data in mind, I think you can understand why our outlook on the rest of the year is that home prices are going to continue their upward price like bound Traje rate. Yeah. Trajectory. trajectory for sure. It's just, I mean, what else, what other data can you look at that says to the contrary? Yeah. If there is, and we're missing it, please come on the show. Let's <laughs> talk about it because we're looking for ways right now. We're looking for them. Right. Yeah. It all seems a little bit too good to be true in a sense, but uh, again, numbers don't lie. So uh, next week, we have the September GVRD numbers coming out for the stats. Um, quick little insight. They're going up. <laughs> um, median prices alone are up 4% this month Holy on cow. average. Uh, that's GVRD, all property prices or all property types, excuse me, across the board. We'll obviously do a great deep dive for you next week. Please come and check it out. Uh, get reminded, hit that subscribe, hit the bell. They do come out every Saturday morning. Thanks as always for watching and listening. And uh, we look forward to bringing you more great Vancouver Intel next week. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.